Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Dee Robinson to the Reboot Chronicles, an entrepreneur that I really enjoy collaborating with. Dee is the CEO of Robinson Hill, a concession management firm that specializes in retail and restaurants at airports and other non-traditional venues. We'll find out what that means. Uh, she's also a civic leader and a board member of nonprofit organizations and corporations, including Revive. Dee just released her first book, Courage by Design, which as of today is a bestseller, and we're going to try to unpack that a bit today. Dee, it's really great to see you, and congratulations on the book launch. Well, Dean, first of all, let me say it's a joy to be here with you, and thank you so very much. Joy. I love that word. Thank you. Um, I don't know where to start with you. There's so much to talk about, but rather than let's – let's jump into the book a little bit later. Maybe just talk a little bit about the genesis of your company and you know just how that kind of developed and what it's turned into now because you, uh, you're in a lot of uh, really nice uh, locations these days is what I've been uh, seeing. Well, uh, let me start with this. I was in corporate America um, and decided to take a big leap. My condolences. <laughs> I know. And I oftentimes tell people, don't do what I did, right? But, <laughs> but I will say there's a lot of lessons there. But I literally left my corporate life and decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and there are a lot of stories behind that. But this is what I do know is that I went from nothing to being able to really build this multi-million dollar company. Um, I always loved food, and so uh, at one point I thought I'd want to be a, a chef, and I think we chatted once before about Charlie Charter and how he played a role, because I went in his kitchen and saw people who were a lot more passionate than me, um, but then I re- that moment I you realized- You went in his kitchen, one of the top kitchens in the world, but okay. It's true. I used that's to do a, that. Nice you opportunity. Know. Well, sometimes we have to decide, you know, what are our passions and what is our profession. And I, at the time, thought I wanted to be a chef. But when I left there, I knew Uh, that I actually should just be, you know, having great dinner parties. But then I remember leaving there and saying, you know what, I think we're rather own. And it was a powerful moment because, you know, I had this sort of test. What is it that I wanted to do? But then um, there was an opportunity to put a restaurant at the airport. So I went from retail I went then shifted to restaurants and then, of course, airports. And then my first one was Midway Airport. And it just snowballed from there. We worked at the first one was Ben and Jerry's. Then we started really working on strategic partnerships and trying to bring the best brands to airports. And in fact, what I wanted to do was elevate the dining experience at airports. That was really sort of the mission. And Thank so you. Um, hmm. and you started scaling, you, you go in, you learn how to do this. And I started working with Let Us Entertain You, uh, Frontera Grill. So we went out and really pursued some of the best brands to bring the airports. Yeah, good move. Good track record. Um, you know, like me, you believe in the power of and, like leading a very diverse life and kind of operating on multiple fronts. Some people call it doing too many things, but think for people like us, it's a little more strategic. Uh, What's that like for you? You've got a lot of burners going on the stove here. Well, you know, um, and it's really related to why I wrote the book, but if you think about this, I ask people to say yes more. Say yes more. 
Um, and what I mean by that is oftentimes we will just deny opportunities when I say that I don't have enough money for something. Well, is it that you don't have the money for a startup or is it you have, you're afraid that you may not get it? Or by saying yes, you're saying, well, yes, I can find a way. Yes, I can right. figure this out. We really, and to your point, it is about being strategic, but um, I see opportunities and I act on them. But what I also want to do is make sure that people who had ideas, think about Revive, even in that and how that started its own genesis. It's mm -hmm. people getting around the room and believing what is possible. And I believe that we can make the impossible possible. And it's just a mindset that I have. You do. You're, you're definitely an optimist. Uh, one of the issues I struggle with uh, being a, the VP of Yes all these years is learning how to say no, because it's a matter of focus and impact. And, you know, I like food, but I didn't turn it into a multimillion dollar business like you. I chose other tech things, right? Um, right. But with the Kellogg students, I talk a lot about the power of and, and meaning, you know, you can still keep your corporate job or your consulting gig or whatever you're doing that's making you some, a lot of cash, but also get into the entrepreneur world, venture into entrepreneurship, volunteer civically, start with 1871 or anything around the world, whatever city you're in, there's something else you can do. And talk about that a little bit, that moving into entrepreneurship, because I, people always have an excuse. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. And you're that's right. It. Oftentimes right. it's rooted in fear. We're all afraid of something. I'm sure if I asked you something right now, there's something you're afraid of, but, but now you're, you were afraid you wouldn't be a bestseller yesterday. Well, now you are awesome. But, you know, back to the, and, um, yeah. I believe this, if we actually understand where we want to go and I always say, what do you see yourself maybe in five years, but then why not right now? What yeah. could you be thinking about doing? And then the fact is, I also believe we should be anywhere our dreams take us. So then what does that look like? And then the and then becomes, how do I go like I did? I was working at Lee Overnet and I started, you know, asking chefs, could I cook in their kitchens around Chicago? <laughs> or and I know that I want to do good. I want to do more. And I wasn't being fulfilled by that maybe in the work. So the and is I'm going to find what gives me joy, what I'm passionate about outside, and you create a balance. But even if it's wealth that you seek, what's the end there? What should you be doing? How should you be managing your money? How should you be thinking about investments? It's always that and and that opportunity. But the and is where you find answers and then to what you ultimately say your dream is. But starting with the end in mind right. and then really sort of backing from that and saying, what can I do? And I also believe this every single day, people can do something towards their dream. Some, yeah. whether the dream is to have a new house, what are you doing about managing money, starting a new business? You know, what partners are you thinking about? Who are you bringing onto a team? Those are the ands that I talk about. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's powerful and it can take shape in, in various ways. I, I usually talk about that and helping them on a journey to find their purpose and, my version of it as the intersection of, I talked about a lot on the program, um, is, you know, fun, money, and impact. Those are my three. I said, take any three, put them in there. But purpose is not in the center. It's in that connected tissue. It's a fleeting moment. And it's the power of combining one and two, where you get little bits of joy. And, and that brings you, sometimes temporary, but a good sense of, of purpose. And it seems like your biggest and right now is the book. So um, why why did you write this book? It's 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 brutal. 
in terms of a process? <laughs> well, I now know why more people talk about writing a book than actually write one being. So but let's just start with that. And, well said. Yes. Right? But uh, at the same time, during the pandemic, I frankly just felt helpless. I didn't know how to help. You know, we're sitting there afraid to go uh, anywhere. And, you know, we were facing death all around us. And I knew that I needed to do something. And so first it just started with me going out and saying, well, people were on food lines that had never thought about being on one. So then I went out and launched food drives and, and I was happened to just be coming back from living abroad and I was living on a military base for a short while. And then I just decided I was going to help people because I was watching CNN one day and mm -hmm. saw that there was a family, four generations in a car and they had never been there before. So that was where it started. But then from there, what I also could sense was the fear, the people, uncertainty whether I'd have a job, whether I'd even live, um, that fear, that gripping fear that I knew people were experiencing. And then I said, then how can I help? And that's another question I think we can ask ourselves, even when it gets back to purpose. A good one. How can I help? And in yeah. my case, um, I said, you know, write a book. Um, I actually wrote three small books and during that time a cookbook and then um but i leaned into this one called courage by design a cookbook you didn't and, send me that one i just got well not yet you didn't know christmas isn't here yet so this <laughs> come on anyway. but here's what i would say about the book um i knew fear from my own beginning mm -hmm. and when i left my corporate job and i knew how i had to manage it and fear is real it's not that and you said it earlier, we all fear, but how do we choose courage over that? So actually the book was going to be called Courage is a Choice. Well, we all know we have a choice, but will we right. make that choice? Then it was Courage is Your Choice and then Accountability. But I was out on a run and I called my publisher up and I said, you know what? It has to be Courage by Design because I needed people to understand that they could design a path there wherever they are, no matter where they are in their lives. That they right. can manage a path towards courage and a more courageous life. Yeah, and the the, uh, the subtitle for those of you that um, have not read it yet is you know ten. It, it, it starts out with ten commandments. So is it where the ten commandments come from? Do I have to read this in church or what, what's happening there? No. Well, it's interesting you even mentioned church because some people thought. I mean, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not making I'm not making fun of it. It just uh, it just no, resonated no, no. resonated with me. And I'm, that actually was intentional, and I'm I'm grateful for that because, first of all, I am faithful. Um, I am a, you know, someone that's driven by my faith, and just mm -hmm. knowing that if I just go out there and do that, I say, I hope God help me, so I'm going to do my part. But the right. commandments right. just really reflected the journey that I live today. That I am faithful, and I and look outside of myself, knowing that it's not always up to me but it right. was my mindset. So that's sort of what the whole book came about and the 10 commandments. And as you were saying, it's the 10 commandments plus one for yeah. moving from fear to joy, fulfillment and purpose. So rather than going through the 10 commandments, let me ask you, what's the 11th commandment? Cause I don't see it anywhere. I'm glad it. you asked that. And that was also some kind of secret door. I have to find it is a secret door. I interviewed an amazing woman from a bank. She's a top executive, African-American female, uh, who's in my book. And after interviewing- Is it Leslie her, Anderson? 
uh, uh, no, Leslie didn't endorse the book, but Monica yeah. Cole. Monica uh, Cole. Great. After my interview with her, I was emotional and I literally sat at my desk and I wrote this chapter because she <laughs> shared her struggles with in her own organizations. And, you know, we're all talking about DEI and how do we create more inclusive environments? And she shared stories where people weren't really mindful of the fact that she was an African-American female going to a country club and then someone actually thinking that she was supposed to be the help and not the executive and that an executive in the company invited her to a home and also had some pretty um, surprising insensitivities. So, but we keep talking about it. And then where do we use metrics? How do we really sort of think about what a courageous environment and inclusive environment looks like? And, but because of what she struggled with and what she shared, I knew that we needed to think about how do we win at DEI. And diversity is one thing most can check the box, but when it comes to the E and the I, people are still trying to figure it out. So I walk people through one metrics. We have to measure in order to really determine whether we are on the right track. And I don't care where you are on the spectrum, just measure and so we can all see where we start. And then we have a path towards something more. And so I'm a big fan of accountability, leadership, and metrics, and I talk about that in the plus one chapter. Yeah, you're also a big fan of what what I I'm a very visual person, so I draw roadmaps out for myself and people rebooting their companies and themselves. So you're 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 saying you know courage is a choice, and you need to kind of design your own roadmap uh, to get there. And uh, most people can't really grasp that or do it or see far enough ahead. How how do you help them? So what I do there is a great, great question because uh, we all get started um, somewhere. Yeah. And then what I actually first ask people to do is to check on their own mindset. How do you think about things? So, you know, I may ask everyone to go get a rubber band because I have one and I snap it. What are we thinking about? So there's something I did, Dean. When I got started, I put myself on a 30-day positive thinking diet. Mm. Now, that is right. almost nearly impossible. Most people don't like diet. <laughs> but what the rubber band does is it makes you conscious of your thinking. And so what I oh, did So you was snap it when you get a negative thought? Negative thought. And it was important. You snap and you refrain. Mm. Because when you have a limiting thought. I like and I, I was there. I was, you know, gripped by that. But then you start using empowering language. So first of all, I would ask everyone to put a rubber band on their band, on their arm and mm-hmm. then just see how do they think. And I did it for 30 days. Uh, in the book, we take them through an exercise. I will not have people do what I did because I had to make sure I was thinking every day for 30 days straight positive thoughts. And then if I didn't, I had to start all over again. So I get to day seven thinking I'm going to celebrate. I would never make it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. I'm looking around the studio for a rubber band. Those of you who can see me on video are like, what is he doing? Because I want to try it. But yeah, I'll probably end up with a rash in my hand. I'll be snapping. That's right. That's right. Well, because a lot of the business stuff you deal with, it's not always positive. So can it be just your personal thoughts or even business? Because it's it's absolutely business. In fact, uh, that's how this business got started. Because listen, I left my corporate job. In the most entrepreneurs, none Best of them. Movie ever made. It absolutely is. 
But most of us never have, we think we have enough money to get started. You know, we all know how we have to manage, you know, capital mm-hmm. and cash flow and you, and you run out of cash. And in my case, I did not have this bankroll sitting somewhere that I could tap into. And yeah. I was literally at that moment, not sure where I could pay my rent at one point. And he was also snapping. This is where snappy came about. I said, D, look, this fear is not serving you. Yeah. And Dean, this is what I do know, and this is what I learned. We cannot be our most creative selves. Uh, we can't solve problems in that state of mind. It's impossible. No, I, I can vouch that. If I'm back on my heels, it's an awful time for Dean creativity. You know, you talk about that in the book, strengthening your courage muscle and courage circles. What What is that all about? Because a lot of yeah. people say, well, just have courage. And they go, like, yeah, whatever, I can't relate. But it sounds like you've got some tools for people to do it. Well, yes. And um, you're right. A lot of people will say, yes, you can do this or you can't do it's this. It's too so hard first, to relate to it. Yeah, they, they can't muscle it up. They can't. But here's the one thing I will ask the audience to think about. Mm-hmm. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Ooh. And it's not. That sounds like I have to, it sounds like you have to snap your thing on that exactly one. That's right. a negative thought. Right. Think about it. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Uh. It's not that someone's going to take your idea. It's because people will rob you of that dream. More oh, I was, I was thinking maybe insensitive to it. Okay, so you're talking well, something totally different. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. And I know many people have had ideas and someone would say, oh, that's not a good idea. And sadly, why do we believe what we can, can't do versus what we can do? But people will rob you of your dreams by telling you what you can and then you're going to believe it and then you sort of talk and you stop. And I'm saying you got to put people around you who stretch you, inspire you, and empower you. Those are the people that matter in your life, particularly if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and you want to move forward. The other thing about those uh, versus the naysayers, which oftentimes are like family members, by the way. Well, they are. Side note: It's true that (laughs) it is. Lost half the audience there, but okay. Well, in the book, there is a uh, help you to develop your courage circle, but the, the center is family and friends, and they are the ones, and sometimes the hardest. I call it uh, doing a little laundry, but sometimes it just means maybe we don't spend as much time with them. Mm. But think about how much and how we're spending our time. Who are we spending our time with, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's that's where we get power. I, you know, you're part of my career circle. You know that uh, I feel elevated every time you and I get together. You help me think about things in ways I've never could imagine. That's what you want in your life. People who are helping you and you have forward thinking. Okay. And then here's some other thing I want to say about the people who are the naysayers. What hmm. they really are telling you is what they can't do. They don't know you. They're telling or, you why they're you, jealous or they're, or they just can't relate. Sometimes it's very, sometimes it's very innocent. It's just, yeah. And it affects it. I've, I've been in those conversations. It affects me to the point where you are with them. The next time you talk to them, you just, you know, not to tell them too much. Cause it's just, it's just not helpful for them. It's not helpful. It's, it's draining. Like you, have, you're, you have too much abundance or you have too much of this or you, whatever the issue is. Or, That's but exactly. have you ever had anyone steal your idea? I was surprised you said that. Well, I, you know I, so what? now I get I get stealing your enthusiasm. That part I now I get that. Well, you yeah. know what? Uh, hmm. Actually, it has happened to me, and I'm going to wow. tell you when I wow. started my first retail concept, someone that actually worked for me. And someone, someone we know. Oh no! Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know what? What you'll know is that there was, you know, first of all, why not just be flattered? I mean, they could have gone about it a different way because, frankly, I would have supported them if they had said, D, I'd like to do this on my own. But they didn't do it the right way. Well, and people were like, aren't you angry? No, the universe takes care of those folks. Yeah. But here's what they also Get out of my do. office. <laughs> what, what's that? Get out of my office. That's what you're That's right. But here's yeah. what I what they don't know. I know what D is able to bring to the table. I know what my strengths are. I know my I'm the X factor in our business. Yeah. That business did not last very long. Yeah, I didn't the 10X. You ten X it and they didn't. I ten right? X it absolutely. And and so why should I be angry? And that's the other thing of, that I would want people to understand. Don't let someone continue to make you a victim. Let it go. Let the universe happen. It will be fine. Love that. How does that relate to RO3P? What's that? Yes, ROP3 is return on people, profit, and purpose. And what I understand is this, you know, first of all, as we're talking about courage, it's a teachable skill. Uh, when there's more creativity and when you want creativity, innovation, and you want sales, Courage allows those things to blossom. And so, you know, I just think it fuels your ability to go after the things that you want. So when, when corporations are thinking about their organizations, we ever think about how do we build courageous environments and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. You create an environment where people are thriving, that they can share their ideas without being criticized for them. You know, when you have safe environments, safeness doesn't mean, you know, just some safety in terms of, you know, well-being, but about how we actually can come to show up. How can we bring our authentic selves to work? And when all of us show up, the best comes out. And how do we do that? And that what's ROP3 is all about is defining ways to get a better return to your people on profit and purpose when you bring the best of people. You know, um, just unpacking the book a little bit, I think it's chapter five and six, find your calling and play to your strong suit after faith. Um, so we talk a lot about that on the program, how that can be, you know, done as an entrepreneur. And I, you and I can convince people to be an entrepreneur, hands down. How do those two things, how can you help people who are working inside these BFSs, these big, fat, multi-billion dollar corporations? How can this, how does your book kind of help them just actually stay there, not do the and thing? They don't want to go out, but they actually want to have more, you know, faith and joy and, and, and happiness and purpose in what they're doing, which is oftentimes in a soulless kind of <laughs> environment or company, not in a bad way, but just in a, you know, it's just too big to really personalize it. What, uh, well, what kind of, what kind of help can they get here? Yeah. First of all, it's great that you asked that because I um, had a talk. I was in Florida last week. And after my talk, the woman came up to me and said she'd been in this company for 38 years. And then yep. she was complaining that she had not had many promotions. And I simply asked her one question. I said, so what role have you played in that? She was exactly. so busy complaining about what the company had done right. to her. And they didn't do that. I said, no, wait, we also are accountable. So what role did you play? And it was wonderful to watch because she had a moment. And it was, a, you know, she had this epiphany and like, well, maybe I haven't really thought about it. 
And so what you do, first of all, is look at your environment. I actually want people to thrive within their companies. I don't want the and that I'm leaving because I don't see opportunity. I want the and to be, how do I make this environment better for me? And so the and in this case within an organization is, are you saying yes to new opportunities when they're presented to you? Are you volunteering when there's a new assignment? Are you looking ahead or when you see an opportunity, are you presenting that to your manager or someone? But or are you holding that idea back because you're afraid that somebody may ridicule it, right? Or are you actually going out there and if you have a new position or you want to go after promotion, what are you doing to prepare yourself? And then who are you talking to? Because frankly, in organizations, I'll tell anyone who starts with a new company, they should take time. 15 minutes, that's all they have to ask for every major manager and executive in the company ask and they could spend time. Learn about what their goals are. How does the company actually make money? Even when we're looking at board opportunities, do you really actually understand how a company makes money? Being clear on how- what <laughs> We know some board members who don't really know the answers to those questions. Well, right. But it's important that we understand what drives the business. And then when you understand those things, that you can add the value. So you tell them to find their calling. You help you help them do that, to be fair. What if they can't find it in the company? What They try, they try. What happens? Well, Because they almost have to create a new job. You've now enlightened them into, hey, these are your real gifts. And then they're sure. like, oh, I'm in the wrong job. Well, one of the things about finding gifts, and if we're willing to listen, a lot of times people will tell you what you're good at. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see it yourself. And someone says, oh, you're great in technology. You do this or that. And yet you're in a sales job. Um, you might be doing a project and maybe you find that you're really interested in another department. And have you explored that? You know, to your point about the calling is understanding where you find flow. What do you spend more time in and having a consciousness around that and then recording it? And, you know, every day you'll know what you really like and if you're really honest. And then but that's where courage comes in, because sometimes you've been I know I and here's interesting. You and I know this concept of cause. I got I got a law degree. I have my MBA. I am doing this. And so you say I should be doing these things because I got this education. No. Yeah. Or my it, parents told me yeah, to do this. Right. Or my t- parents told me I should do this. Mm-hmm. And none of those things are wrong. But what those are opportunities say I did them. Now, how do you leverage all that you've learned from that? And now, frankly, if you've done this work and you don't you know, and you don't like it. Now you can say, well, all right, what else can I do? And so within an organizations to answer your questions, say yes Mm -hmm. to opportunities to contribute, volunteer, take on assignments. You know, there's also a confidence gap, particularly among women, frankly, where we don't think we're ready to be there. I don't have this education. I haven't done this. I think that's so much better in the last 10 years. I I see companies that it's just the opposite for some, some women, but yeah, not systemic enough yet. Right. And and by the way, that, what you just said is also how you find purpose. If purpose is fleeting moments of fun, money and impact by volunteering for projects inside or outside your company, paid or unpaid, that's where you can actually find purpose, learn some new skills and go do the next thing. So that's, that's just my, I'm answering my own question now. Sorry. Uh, I have another one for you though. And another, another chapter, how do you find success and failure? What, what does that mean? (laughs) 
Well, it took me a while. And one of my favorite quotes, though, is from Nelson Mandela. And he said, That sounds like a thick book. (laughs) It's a very great quote. Is it a big read? I know. But no, listen, I don't lose. He says, I either win or I learn. Win or learn. Got that. I either win or I learn. And there was an article, um, I believe it was in Forbes many, many years ago. And I have to say, I say there are three things that really mattered that led me to jump. Um, But this article was called The Success of Failure. And if you remember Smith Burr from Quaker, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these um, titans who have filed for multiple bankruptcies and all and massive losses. But you know what I took away from that? They were still thriving. And here's what happened. They might have had a failure, but it didn't define them. But more important, what got them there, you always still keep the skills. What those those qualities, those things that you learned from that experience, but also your talent. That's what got you there in the first place. You right. just put that talent someplace else. But that was a very powerful uh, article for me because at that moment, I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not going to go out and lose a few billion dollars. So that was pretty <laughs> clear out the gate. And then I knew that whatever happened, um, I also could go back and find uh, a job. But I remember a moment too when things got really bad and I said, Dee, you might have to go find a job. But in that moment, too, I said, no, I heard it coming. And that's the fear creeping in. Right. But it was that's when I said, no, and then I'm going to pursue this. But failure, I learned from it. Um, I also say I'm not going to let anything define me. I know who I am. So when someone does something to disappoint me or if there's a failure, um, I'm moving on. Moving on. Speaking of that, Dee, I really want to thank you for joining us today. Um, maybe just to leave uh, the audience, uh, any personal story of things that you've struggled with and come through that might be a little inspirational going out here? Well, um, gosh, there's so many stories. Maybe the inspirational is too much pressure, but. <laughs> well, no, but listen, there's this story. Um, first of all, I said this earlier, we should be anywhere our dreams take us. We deserve that. And um even whether you're in a corporation or you're thinking about a life of entrepreneurship, my real story, as I mentioned, I have, I didn't know where I was going to pay my rent, but when I was in corporate America and I was struggling trying to figure this all out for myself, I sat at my desk one night and I'll ask everyone in the audience to consider doing this, figure out what your hourly rate is, figure out what your value, what what your value is. But here's what I did. I worked 30 days straight, nonstop. And I was struggling. And then once I sat at my desk, I'm like, I'm curious what my hourly rate is. And when I looked at that, here's what I knew. Wow. Am I really taking a chance on leaving this company? Am I really taking a chance when I'm thinking I want to go after a promotion even for those who are in corporate America? If you want more, you want to add more value. But my story was simply that I took that. And at that moment, I realized that there was not that much fear uh, I wasn't taking a big chance. That, and I also believe that what was on the other side was going to be great. And here right. I am talking to you. So you're my other side of great, Dean. I just enjoy you <laughs> so much. But, you know, whether it's your students you. or, you know, and even in corporations, I just think that we know that we can do more if we're willing to just 
understand that we all have the power to influence lives and well most said. importantly our own well said d thanks for joining us um you've been listening to d robinson on the reboot chronicle she's got a great new book out called courage by design get it anywhere and uh get two copies great christmas gifts even if you're listening to this in july this is dean Tobias with the reboot chronicles I want to thank you for joining us today we will see you soon thank you so very much dean